Bobber and take my hand. Bobber and yeah, well, I got it, roll it, I got it, roll it, roll it, roll it, roll it, roll it, roll it, Welcome to TikTok.com. Let me throw you some of my video. Uh, that's a funny voice. 50,000 likes. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, cool. <laughs> Congratulations. What's funny about it is I know that you're saying something and I have no idea what it is. She's my blouse. It's kind of like that video of uh, what English sounds like to non English speakers where you're yeah, like, there's yeah, yeah. definitely words in there. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you eliminate the entire non-homeworld? I see whatever? a great hand reaching out of the sky. Who are you? President Clark has signed a decree today declaring martial law. These orders have forced us to declare independence in society. Why people get off their encounter-suited butts and do something? You are the one who watches a hadou who will die. Why are you here? Do you have anything worth living for? Think of the beautiful city. Giants in the playground. Get the hell out of our galaxy! We are here to place President Clark under arrest. Hello and welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season six, Chats Salon 5. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by Magellan. Hey, what's up? No special names here, folks. It's the recap episode. It's the big... Yeah, the most boring episode of them all. It's the most dull-ass episode of the season. Does anyone listen to these except the regulars? Hello, Nick and Pat. (laughs) When you sync that up, you can make it sound like I'm singing with you, right? Yeah, it'll be flawless. Okay, cool. Um, that was yeah, a little but... special song that we wrote <laughs> for the Brothers at War, an Infinite yeah. Crisis on Infinite Brothers. <laughs> and it's just for you. You can just put that in your pocket. You can play that at the holiday party. You meet up and you're like, hey, we, we got a thing for you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Go to your holiday party. Yeah. Can you great. imagine uh, their kids being like, <laughs> they're like, a kid turns 18 and they're like, Hey, we were we were on a podcast once. These like weird guys had us talk about Babylon Five like ten years ago, because they have children, I believe. Sorry, I'm like talking about our listeners. I know this is a weird listener yeah. <laughs> podcast relationship. Anyways, hi everybody, hey. including the brothers at Infinite War and all of you out there. It's Chat Salon Five, the chats season that just won't quit. Um, I'm Alan. That's Magellan. As we said, we are here to recap not only season five of Babylon Five, but to kind of coalesce our thoughts about the entire series into one little podcast thing uh because before we move on to the 
post Babylon 5 movies and the spin-off series Crusade, we want to take a minute to reflect and meditate on what we liked, what we didn't like, and sort of what we thought in general about the series. Yeah. So I think the place to start is uh, we want to summarize just the plot of season five, right? Correct. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> you want to take this one? I do. I, I super do. So this is, a just... bespoke, this is a bespoke season summary. Alan uh, chefed this one up himself. This is a custom job for y'all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can't, you can't get this off. You can't get this on the wiki. This is exclusively off the dome. Uh, yeah. I, I wrote this. Uh, we got the Drock, a.k.a. the Shadows 2 Electric Boogaloo. We got Byron. We got Lead Alexander, who's a nuclear missile. We got Londo Malari, the ultimate most owned man in space. Sheridan, Captain Sheridan, is an idiot. But the show never really says that. What it does say is goodbye. Everyone says goodbye to each other. And this is all wrapped up very messily in a season that is partly defined by its production trouble and partly defined by just a lot of sad conversations over dinner. And also Garibaldi is a CEO now. Garibaldi. Garibaldi. I was thinking about Michael Alfredo Garibaldi and how I never felt like I truly could like comfortably say I love him the way I loved characters like Dargon Farscape or mm-hmm. uh, you know, big friendly characters. Like he could kind of be that guy sometimes, but Garibaldi was always a cop. And so it's like seeing him become a CEO as one of like the tentpole moments of season five for me was like, yeah, yeah, you do hate yeah. to see it, but like, eh. yeah, it's not, not a surprise. No, I was in the pool, eh, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, there it's, it's a difficult season to summarize cleanly. That's why I kind of just threw out those, those plot deep beats like that. Uh, the Drock being the main villain means that we're not dealing with world ending nuclear be- bombs or anything until Lita becomes one. Uh, we're not dealing with gigantic, larger scale conflict. We're dealing with much more personal stuff this season, which I really liked. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know if it's my favorite season. I don't think it's the most consistent because there are still a couple of like just episodes that are progressing larger storylines. But I think, you know, this was sold to us as like some people hate season five of B5 straight up. Yeah, which is silly. It's very silly because there's really good stuff in here. If you're if you're discounting this whole season, you're discounting so, so many of like the show's greatest moments, uh, honestly. And uh, its finale also ha- is in this weird place where it feels like it's coming out of the end of season four because it is, but it's at the end of the series, and so you get somewhat of a bit of a, of closure, but not the full closure that you expect from a show that has had five seasons of like dictated plot. Um, mm-hmm. But I think overall, I, I I really enjoy season five's like ambition. And its willingness to like dig into smaller ideas that the show didn't have time to before. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad that we ended up getting a little bit more Babylon Five than we needed instead of less. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think it's where you end up by the end of season five is you're like, okay. When we were looking back at the episodes and trying to think about how to bucket them, I think what we realized is like individually there are some episodes that are. More forgettable or yeah, just yeah. not as necessary to revisit as other seasons of the show. But I would say overall, my experience watching this season was like, I really liked it. It was mm-hmm. really positive. So, yeah. Right. It's uh, it, you, like you said, you don't have to, if you do get a show that goes on longer, 
Um, sometimes shows will go on multiple seasons longer than they should, or sometimes shows will just go on a couple episodes longer. But like this one season feels like a very clear, like, hey, we got we got extra time. What do we do with that extra time? What do we have interest in doing as the showrunners? Excuse me. Um, and that's what I really liked about it. But um, to get into our our first segment, um, Magellan, you came up with this first bit, right? The the our rankings. Uh yeah. <laughs> you're so. responsible. If this is bad, you're responsible for it. If it's good, then uh thanks for you to thanks to you for doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um so I I will admit that I was no fan of the season 5 opening uh when it was first introduced to us. I believe I used some strong words called it stupid, perhaps. Uh, or or silly or whatever. But over time, I became more and more fond of it, and I'm fond of it to the point that now I think it's a worthwhile exercise to um, to go about ranking the lines that are included in the uh, Season 5 opening. So that's what we're going to be spending our time doing first here. We're going to go from number 21 to number 1 right? Uh, in ascending order, all of the lines that are used uh, to open up each episode of season five. So I guess we could trade back and forth. Does that sound good to you? That sounds perfect. Okay. So coming in at number 21, by far the worst, most forgettable. I didn't even know it was there until we saw the script. At some point, Bester says, (laughs) not good. It's so quiet. Like I'm going to be playing clips from these, but then like, you know, fixing the volume and everything. But when you actually watch the, the theme, it's just like, what? Weapons what? And it shows like the telepaths and you were saying like the the annoying thing about this one is like if the opening is supposed to be like a quick summary of what the big moments of B5 for people who haven't watched it, like it being on a new network, that's totally possible. But that one is just like, why are there coffins on a spaceship? What does that have to do with weapon supplies? Like it means nothing out of context. Mm -hmm. And him just saying weapon supplies is very silly, but yeah. Um, Number 20, uh, Jeff Sinclair. Nothing's the same anymore. Which is evocative, but not that evocative. <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. just a thing you can say, I guess. Uh, number 19 is another Sinclair line. Sinclair kind of gets the short end of the stick, I would say, in this opening. The other Sinclair line is... What do you want? Not bad, but there are just a lot more notable ones in there. I really like uh, sort of like wise, thinky Sinclair more than like military man Sinclair. Um, yep. That's why his turn was so good. But yeah, that, that line's just like, yeah, sure. Um, getting into some better stuff here, number 18, uh, Jakar's... No one here is exactly what he appears. Which, I mean, you love Jakar. How can you not? He's so good. But this is his only appearance in the theme. Yeah, um, what a... what a Just unjust. He has so many, so many good lines. Yeah. I'm sure some of those could have been out of con- taken out of context really well, but they chose this one, and it's like, yeah. It gets points for being Jakar, but it, it loses points for not being that. It's not that cool. Um, number 17, <laughs> I sort of resent that we've got a techno mage anywhere above last place, but I guess that's, that bodes poorly for how I'm going to feel about crusade. Mm-hmm. We have Elric who says, that one's kind of fun to say, but I, I think I sort of had a personal bias against it. So I suppressed it in the rankings. A little you bit. knocked it down. Yeah, every time they talk about like stars or stardust, like I really, I wish that the Delenn stardust, even though she's quoting Carl Sagan, I really wish that was in the theme. 
Like, I think we could ultimately, we could someday maybe create a better version of this theme song with like better quotes. But they do get into some better ones now. We're getting into slightly <laughs> higher quality quotations. Uh, like number 16, uh, which is uh, Sebastian the Inquisitor's. Very uh, scary. And also an important question in the in the context of the show. Um, yeah, that, uh, yeah. Who are you? It's a short but sweet, I would say. Not enough good British men in this show other than Marcus and Sebastian, basically. Right. Speaking of British men, number 15, we've got Zathras. Uh, you are the one who was. <laughs> Not bad. Zathras, is, Zathras maybe should have showed up again. Although, since Jakar only got one, I guess it makes sense that Zathras only got this. Zathras doesn't have that many like fun lines, though. Or what I mean, yeah, he does, but, but like not like for like, this. Well, yeah, because the plot, the lines also have to have like plot relevance, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that's that's what they were going for. Yeah. Um, interesting that he made it this high on the list. General Haig on number fourteen. <laughs> Commander Sinclair is being reassigned. I think what I like about that one in the position of the opening is that it only functions as a plot line. There's no fondness for like this person. There's no emotion in it. Yeah, yeah. It's it was literally like an exposition line at the beginning of season two. Like, oh, that guy, he's not around anymore. Right. It it's it's one of those that's like, oh my god, this moment in the plot is amazing, but like this character, like, do not care. No, thank you. Yeah. Uh, number 13, we've got Sheridan making his first appearance on the list. He says, uh, is this the last line of the opening? Which one? The, uh, we are here to place President Clark under arrest. I think it is. Do that have, is we have an order it, somewhere, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, it is the last line. It's the last line. What a dumb one to end on. <laughs> That's why it feels so dumb. We're here to place President Clark under arrest. Doom, 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 Who's doom. President Clark? Yeah, yeah, it's like President Clark doesn't matter that much in the grand scheme of the mythos of Babylon 5. And just, right, like his his administration does, but like you're just like, yeah, the name, like the term President Clark doesn't evoke that much to me. Yeah. Um, it's not the best. Uh, yeah. Number 12, uh, Delenn is uh, with the... Just you got to give a shout out to Delen. She's great. Mira Furlan, queen, 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 and king mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, Pretty and good a very Delenn good delivery appearance. for an okay line. Yeah. yeah, it gets overshadowed by some of the other lines that follow it in the opening, but I'd say it's a pretty strong one. Yeah, at this point in the list, you get your these are like pretty good. These lines. are just bangers from here on out. Number eleven, the ISN reporter says, "President Clark has signed a decree today declaring these martial orders law." Have- which is also just a plot one, but the but delivery, delivery. Is, it's very fun, yeah. Um, I saw uh, the, it was like a convention uh, panel with uh, many of the members of the B5 cast, uh, and the, one of the people they had on was one of the reporters on ISN, and she was so nice and charming, because she was like, I'm happy to be a part of the show. I never met any of you. <laughs> we were never on set together, but we were on the same show. <laughs> and I'm really happy to be here. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was this person, but she was great. Um, we should we should like thumb through that together sometime because it's a fun panel, but it's very long. And also the audio on it is garbage. Yeah, I'd be down to watch it. It's from like 2014. So Stephen First is still on it before he passed away, unfortunately. Oh, damn. Um, That's sad. A lot of people just look like they did, which is impressive. Um, yeah, well. The people, uh, this is a little, again, bleak to say, but 
the people who survived B5 aged really well. I've might, I maybe I've said that verbatim before, but it's you, true. You definitely have. Um, <laughs> moving right along. Uh, number 10. Yeah, number 10 number, uh, from Sheridan. These orders have forced us to declare independence. Uh, sure, Sheridan. You know what? I'm glad you guys declared independence. This is a big moment in the show. Mm-hmm. Sheridan, uh, box lightners are pretty good at, at these lines. This is not the best Sheridan line, not by a long shot. Yeah, there are a lot of Sheridan lines to choose from in this one. Uh, yeah. and this one's okay, but there are definitely better ones. Yeah. Uh, number nine, we've got Lorian. We're going to actually have a Lorian back to back. So number nine is, uh, Lorian's. Why are you here? <laughs> One with that, it's edited so quietly in the theme, but I really, I do enjoy it. This like, not, I don't know how to describe the Lorian performance, but it's very good. It's very like ethereal and, and uh, breathy. Yeah, I have a, I have a fondness for Lorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, fondness for Lorian continuing with number eight. Do you have anything worth living for? Just like. That's, yeah, that's good. The sort of cool third quota question after who are you and what do you want? Mm-hmm. Um, now we get into the the cream of the crop here, starting with number seven, Sheridan's Giants in the Playground. <laughs> the delivery of that reminds me of um, this. I don't remember which Spider-Man video game it was, but there is some Spider-Man game that I had a demo of for the PC. Okay. And I later got the full game for like PlayStation or something. Okay. Um, and there's a part in the demo where you're climbing up the side of a building and there's a helicopter shining its searchlight on you. And um, he's like trying to shoot you. And I played that part so many times that I have all of the voice lines from that part <laughs> memorized. And the delivery is kind of like this. The, the helicopter pilot is like, uh, when he catches you and you get away, he's like, ah, he moves too fast. And then he's shooting you and he's like, like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> Very like, casual. Got him kinda. in my sights. <laughs> ah, he moves too fast. <laughs> it's really fun. That sounds like Spider-Man 1, which I also had uh, yeah, on like so. PC and PS2. It's good stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, it's no, uh, uh, that guy stole my pizza from Spider-Man 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number six. Uh, our boy Kosh, rest in peace to a real one. Honestly, if this was my, if I had made this list, I think this would have been higher. But I yeah, when we were going through it, this was immediately like we're keeping this at number one, and then I had to push it down and down and down to all these other bangers. This is uh, mm. which is also with, coupled with Sheridan leaping off of uh, <laughs> off of the side of Zadum. Which, funnily enough, Boxider also talks about on that convention panel um where he's like yeah it's really cool that i like jumped into a bunch of pillows and they made it look like i was jumping into the abyss (laughs) (laughs) he's like the magic of editing (laughs) that's fun uh number five is a sheridan line the second to last one in our list uh it's sheridan saying get the hell out of our galaxy it's a fun one box lightner really knows how to punch the right words in a line s tier delivery just it it feels like he's talking down to some children who are like being rowdy in the backyard or something. Get the hell out of my backyard. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very good. Um, number four. Which speaking of him punching the right lines and countersuited butts. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Welcome to what Babylon hor- 5 where we giggle a- every time Sheridan says butts in the theme song. What a badly written line. You're in countersuited butts. He almost makes work. Yeah. And countersuited butts and do something. <laughs> 
Um, okay, now these are the the very best. Is this the only Londo line in the whole one? Yeah, it, it seems is. like it. Yeah, number three, Londo says, "Why don't you eliminate the entire non-homo?" Oh, <laughs> Such a, such a tragic line, because you know you know how much bad shit comes from this one line. <laughs> yeah, his entire damnation hinges on him saying this. Yeah. Oh my god. Ugh, mm-hmm. Talk about relevance. Yep. Um, and a good delivery too. Um, getting into the top two. Uh, number two is another Koch line, uh, which opens the theme song, which brilliantly. Which, ugh, chills every time. Chills. And then, uh, appropriately, our number one line is a line from The Gathering, mm-hmm. spoken by a Mimbari assassin, and it goes, There's a hole in your body. What do you want? I, uh, I rewatched this scene for context. I uh, Just the yes. scene. Give me the context. I completely forgot. He's, like, on the floor. I just, like, literally watched a clip of it on YouTube. But he's, like, on the floor and looking up, and he, like, looks kind of menacing saying it. And I think he's like yelling at, he's talking, I mean, he's talking to the Len, but he just like looks like his back is against the wall and he's all nervous and he's like, there is a, like he looks very like he uh, knows like some shit. And you're like, what does this mean? What do you mean there's a hole in her mind? Why'd you say that? Yeah. What does that even end up meaning? Anything? Um, hmm. Hmm. Is it, no, is it to Sinclair then? I think it's to Sinclair. That would make more he sense. has the, me- the memory loss. Let's go rewatch The Gathering, yeah? All right, let's open it. Yeah, all right. Hey, we just watched The Gathering. Wow, Jakar's makeup is good. <laughs> Jakar, oh Jakar. my gosh. My Jakar. guy, Jakar. Yeah. Uh, next up is everybody's favorite segment of the chat's recaps. It's the buckets. We're dumping some shit in a bucket. Put it, put it in a bucket. Put it in a bucket. Put it, put it in a bucket. It's disgusting. You gotta wipe it up. <laughs> You're disgusting. <right? coughs> <laughs> You're so gross, I made Magellan cough. <coughs> Damn. Is it okay if I keep that cough in the episode? Yeah, I haven't coughed for like a day and a half. Yeah, <laughs> I, I broke you. You summoned it out of me. Good. Oh. All right, let's 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 start as we always do with our buckets, with our low lights. Low wow. lights. You're going to give me the low light. <laughs> nope, we save that. We save that. Yeah, yeah, don't. Don't steal that bit from me. Don't you dare. Don't, don't, don't you. Don't you. Uh, so the lowlights, well, we have four buckets. We have lowlights fine, highlights, and essentials. And the idea behind the bucketing is we would never advocate We would never advocate that you pick and choose episodes to watch God, from a no. show. Fuck a skip no, list. No. no, no, no. We wouldn't advocate such a thing. But if we were to advocate that, this is how we would... Uh, rank things so low lights are episodes that you really do not have to watch there might be like a plot detail or something that you need to know but otherwise you don't need to watch them fines are like they're good you can put them on in the background and no harm done highlights are hey these are enjoyable if you want to enjoy all that the season has to enjoy you should watch these and essentials are like, if you don't watch these, then you haven't watched. Bella. You done fucked up, but Yeah. So let's start with the lowlights. Um, and we can go through these, through these a little bit quick. They're actually mostly all bunched together, except for uh, my first one, which I'll start with. Sure. Episode three of the season, The Paragon of Animals. Hmm. So The Paragon of Animals is really... The reason that it's in a, a lowlight for me is because I just barely remember a thing from it 
Mm-hmm. It's the one where Jakar is like working on the declaration for the for the Interstellar Alliance, and there's like Raider stuff going on, and Garibaldi's looking for telepaths to help him do something. And I couldn't tell you another thing about this episode, dude. Uh, I mean, Garibaldi, like, it's him looking for Byron. It's early telepath stuff. I think uh, what we're going to get to, we're going to, one of our conclusions here is that the telepath plot and the Byron plot in particular is, in general, a low light of season five. Because mm-hmm. it's very hastily done. It's very, like, rushed. And he's not a very good, like, leader character. And then his, like, uh, death is very, very predictable and just, like, kind of happens the way you, in a way you think it sort of will. It's, yeah, that's the idea that I have, like, the thought that I have swirling around when I think about the Paragon of Animals, so, yeah, sad to say it, but that's that's definitely in the, like, lower section of Season 5. Right. Um, should we do mine next? Yeah, let's do it. Season 5, Episode 5, Learning Curve. Um, Learning Curve, uh, in theory, a cool episode, right? We got Minbari Rangers, we have Garibaldi investigating Lockley, uh, and then we have a Zack plot that's kind of nothing. Um, again, just this is like that segment of the of the season where like there's memorable moments, but overall, I'm not I'm not here telling people like this is one of the best parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like uh stuff happen a little bit of stuff uh on Minbar before those characters come back onto B five. Um, I want Ranger lore, but this is not the kind of Ranger lore I want. I think if there's like, oh, we'll get into like little com- minor complaints we have about the show, but. I always there was like that was one of those sections that once I saw like in deconstruction of falling stars that the Rangers lasted at least in the public mind for hundreds of years that when we see them in the present they are just a bunch of like karate boys <laughs> fighting each other for honor um which is way is less exciting. Uh I actually think that the Rangers stuff is handled a lot better towards the end of the season with Lanier um but even then it's like not my favorite stuff in the season so yeah, definitely on the lower end of of my episodes in the season. Yeah, it's just sometimes you can get uh, filler episodes that are like cool and present uh, an angle on the world that you didn't have before, and sometimes it's like okay, uh-huh. that was fine. Uh, my, why don't you do your next one so we just do them all in order? Yeah, this is uh, right getting right into it. Season five, episode six, uh, uh, strange relations. Um, so we're following up a semi-stinker with another semi-stinker. Um, off the top of your head, do you remember anything about Strange Relations? Oh, man. Let me check the summary and I could tell you. Um, no. Bester's here, I guess. And he's Cyclops, trying to Bester. arrest Byron. And maybe this is the one where they like come up with the deal with Bester, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, they they need to be quarantined. That's all I remember. This is also the one where that ends with Lita going to the telepaths and they're all saying, we'll all get together in a better place. That's the the episode that ends with that. Yikes. Um, So it's kind of a bad omen of things to come. Uh Um, Our final low light is the next episode. So this is just not a good chunk here at the beginning. Almost four in a row, only broken up by a view from the gallery. Um, but the last low light is episode seven, Secrets of the Soul. Mm-hmm. This is the one that ends with Lita and Byron having like big time sex with each other. Yeah. And it reveals the Vorlons. Oh, now we're mad. 
and it launches this telepath plot into the the final stage of it um the and then the other main plot of this is the thing with franklin and the hayek race and they oh. their history it's like whatever i think we like kind of got something out of talking about it at the time but in terms of a viewing experience you don't need to watch this one no i mean that's the magic of chats you can just listen to that episode mm-hmm. you don't need to you almost don't need to watch the the episode that we discussed yeah because yeah the, the high stuff is is they they went they tried something <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't try they didn't succeed but they tried something mm-hmm so those are the lowlights. Um, next up, we've got our fines. Fine. And they're fine. So I can start. Um, my first fine is the first episode, episode of the season, No Compromises. This is the one where Sheridan is the target of an assassin, and we're introduced to Captain Lockley, um, and the rogue telepaths show up for the very first time. And the experience of watching the episode is like, hey, we're back. We got some... Ca- cast shakeups that are making things a little bit different but otherwise this is pretty standard start to a season um and it, you know it's interesting to see sheridan's the president so what does that mean for like what he has um kind of jurisdiction over and what's mm-hmm. going to be different about the decisions that he makes i think the thing that makes this episode fine is that it doesn't really feel connected to how the season actually develops i would say um because i don't know we just don't get maybe that's not true but i get the feeling that the way that this first episode feels or how i felt watching it is it would be more sort of like okay day in the life babylon 5 sheridan and lockley kind of balancing what it is they have uh control over but then really the part of this episode that ends up sticking around is the rogue telepath stuff which is probably the least interesting part exactly and it goes on to <coughs> bog down otherwise really great episodes yeah that like fine like for example uh episode 10 a tragedy of telepaths which really exemplifies the sort of like up and downness the the peaks and valleys that are that is season five because on one hand uh londo and jakar are on centauri prime investigating why they're developing more military tech. They're asking about Varini. They get and they find Natoth, and you're like, wow, this is an amazing plot line. Unfortunately, this is in the same episode where the telepaths start attacking. And we I think this is I believe Free Byron is this episode. Um <laughs> and yes, we have people yes, like the telepaths like attacking the staff and trying to like steal guns and stuff and just get, makes all the telepath stuff all the more fraught when it's like all we want is peace. Just kidding now we're the bad guys like ugh. yeah I, it, it it's it kind of this stuff worries me i know we still have more stuff to say about the telepath plot but um the fact that crusade is apparently going to address some of the telepath war stuff concerns me yeah but the telepath war is like a little different right because like that's like we're gonna fight psychor and that seems kind of interesting to me true this stuff was just boring yeah that is a good point um, my second find relates to the same plot. So it's episode nine in the kingdom of the blind, which is the lead up to the one that you just uh, mentioned. Yeah. And same thing, you know, the a plot is like Byron and the telepaths are grumpy about what he saw in his sex vision. <laughs> um, 
And then on the other side, Londo and Jakar are hanging out on Centauri Prime. They run into the Drock for the first time. The yeah. the, the finance minister guy gets killed. Hell yeah. They're in the secret hallway, and Jakar like is ready to save Londo's life, and it's an amazing emotional moment. So you have an episode that has like a really fun plot mixed with just a boring thing, and that makes for an overall fine experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really boils down to like the telepath stuff sucks, right? I just feel like right, yeah. Every episode that's here in this bottom, these bottom buckets, it's it's because of that, and arc. it's dra- it's dragged down by that too. Like, what differentiates these finds from the lowlights is like the lowlights kind of don't have any good plot lines, or at least nothing that's like very memorable. They have good moments, like every episode of the show does, but mm-hmm. um, these episodes at least have like stuff in them that I'm super into. That yeah. again, just really b- brought down by. Uh, the abundance of telepath plot early on yeah and i think what i'm sort of coming away with from season five is that the way that it was presented to us or that we heard about it was season four is the season with no filler and then you get to season five and you're like whoops there's filler again right and i don't actually think that's the problem with season five Mm -hmm. because there are a couple episodes in here that i would argue are filler episodes that are really great and when we get to them, we can we can name them explicitly. Totally, yeah. I think what the issue is, is that there was a plot that was just stretched beyond what it was capable of of supporting, really. Yeah, and if anything, you could argue, you could make an argument that, like, Lita discovering that she's a bomb or discovering that, uh, you know, the Vorlons created the telepaths feels like, ooh, this telepath war stuff already ran out of steam. We need to, like jimmy it up with a little bit of something we have to like give it a big moment it feels like it's crafted it's crafted for that yeah it just feels like well it feels like it's crafted for that but then it doesn't really fulfill that idea of like jimmying things up i would have i would have loved to see lita get to where she gets to at the end of the season by the middle of the season and then we get a little bit of her actually being there yeah, and then we could have like the Dark Phoenix saga of Lita Alexander as like one of the back half of season five plots. So much, yeah, so much missed potential in that. I just think that would have the pacing of that would have been way better. Like, mm-hmm. give us whatever you can give us the Byron stuff, but you can wrap it up instead of across like eight episodes. You can do it in three tops and make it and more then, emotionally charged and have her actually yeah. like. I don't think she ever really digs into the fact that, well, maybe they like subtextually do it. We can argue this, but uh, the fact that she went from being abused and manipulated by one like masculine figure to another, um, be from Josh to, uh, or just the Vorlons, then to Josh, then to Byron. But like her taking a leadership role is, I think, the show's answer to that. It's like she learns to take control of her life and to control of her people and the things that she wants. Yeah, and I just would have liked to see that happen. Yeah, just like, can I get a little bit of that? Like, can I order that on the McDonald's menu? Yeah, and I I know it happens in... There's some books that address it. I've Uh started looking up, like, what are the books about? Uh And there's, like, a whole book trilogy that addresses Lita Alexander's fighting the Psycor. Sure, hell yeah. Which is, yeah, that's cool. Let's see it. I would have rather seen that than than this. Right, because what this ends up being is, like... I'll talk about my next fine as we keep going in um, season uh, episode 11 Phoenix rising. Um, we see the death of Byron who blows himself up. 
Uh, we see him singing the song one more time, and then we just get Bester being like, "Man, man, we don't we don't get along, do we, Sheridan?" And Sheridan's like, "No, go away." And he's like, "Okay," and it just gone. Not worrying about this for a while. We have other plot lines to deal with. The repercussions are kind of like brushed under for a while, and instead, it just feels like a, we are cutting a hard uh, break in the in the plot line. Mm-hmm. It's very it's a very unsubtle episode. Um, I think the reason this one's is uh, a fine though is mostly due to both Lockley and Garibaldi. Lockley like trying to talk to the telepaths ends up being a little interesting, and then Garibaldi learning about the uh, the the block in his brain um the asimov lock and like trying to kill bester and all that stuff happens in phoenix rising so again that stuff's very cool but (laughs) Mm. i don't need this like we're all gonna die for byron and now he's the martyr figure that he already always knew he was going to be and then we just move right along past that yeah um speaking of the garibaldi stuff my next fine episode follows up on that it's episode 12 the ragged edge mm-hmm. uh and this is the one where we see garibaldi's fully relapsed into alcoholism he has his failed mission on the drazi homeworld. that plot you know it's fine i mean i think it's just the definition of fine you can turn it on watch it it's interesting to watch but then when it comes down to it it's not the most consequential plot in the season because I don't even really know what comes of that. Uh, it's just that, like, oh, the Drazi seem to be hiding something. Yeah. But then we have to go back to the Drazi homeworld <laughs> a whole another episode later to actually figure out what's going on. Um, and then the counterbalance to that, the the strong part of the episode is we get the beginnings of Jakar being like a religious leader for his people. And every instance of that plot is super delightful. So I would say it was kind of a hard balance i think in another season that maybe didn't have because season five has some really strong strong episodes Mm -hmm. and i think maybe in a season that didn't have that this episode might have fallen a little bit higher because of the jakar stuff but you know the garibaldi i was not super interested in the garibaldi alcoholism plot i think it made sense it needed to happen but then watching him sort of sabotage these missions it's not the the most compelling experience. Yeah, I mean, we're we're like in the string of episodes here that are ends with Garibaldi drunk and everyone's like where is Garibaldi? That like happens 3 episodes in a row pretty much. Yeah. In various ways before someone has to be like, "Um, Lisa's back, bud," and then he has to be a person again. Yeah. Um that brings me to my uh fine episode here. Uh episode 14, Meditations on the Abyss. Uh Mainly starring our friend Lanier, um, our former friend. Now that we've yeah, here, he's, he's canceled, Chris. fully canceled. Um, he comes back. I like the moments in this episode where Delenn like breaks a guy's finger. Delenn gets to be a character, gets to be kind of cool for a little bit, but then uh, we turn the camera towards Lanier, and he's you know back, and he's like, "Delenn, I'm here, and I'm gonna." And he finds out he's gonna betray the Rangers, and it's all this stuff, and he's like captain, and uh, all that plot line gets wrapped up in is just linear starting to identify his own problems and what he needs to um, work on him right. and like his countering himself with a uh, Findel. Um, another thing that bolsters this episode and definitely brings it to fine status uh, is the veer plot, um, which is brief, but satisfying where uh, he finds out that there's a bug in Londo's quarters and goes to 
attack the guys who put it there. Hmm. Um, and we don't get that many like ridiculous comedy moments, but when we do, they're great. So yeah, definitely puts this one in a fine though. Yeah. And uh, that rounds out our fine category. So should we maybe throw it to some emails before we finish out the rest of the buckets? I think that's a good idea. Okay, let's do it. What do we got? Um, our first email is not opening on my phone in the slightest. Here it is. Our first email comes in from Nick, um, who uh, did us a great favor and uh, sent us a bunch of questions, six questions for us um, to answer. Now that we're at the end of Babylon 5, we can answer these. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just go down these as we answer them. Um, number one, did it meet the hype you had when you were first convinced to give it a try for Chats Pod? Uh, let's see. So we've... I feel like we've had this one recommended to us for quite a while, right? Definitely, yeah. I remember people mentioning this even back when we were covering Farscape. And by people, I think I specifically am thinking of Dan. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think Dan has been mentioning it and recommending it for a while. I was listening back to um, our coverage of the newsroom, and there's there's a little part where he sends an email, and he's like, you know, this... This uh, part of the newsroom really made me think of another show called Babylon 5. I remember I that. I, I know I bring it up a lot. But um, it's really good, you guys. I swear. Yeah. You were right, Dan. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. I, I I think it definitely lives up to the hype. I don't think you can hype it up enough because I think people have a sort of cap in their minds of like, well, this is how good a show like that could be. And Babylon 5 is just better than that. Yeah. I think so this this now gets in I think this is as good a time as any to talk about like my fundamental problem with Babylon 5 which is like keeps it from being in like my top shows of all time. Okay. I'm chewing on this a lot in the last couple of weeks and I'm ready to dig into JMS and his bull crap. Here okay. we go. Okay. Um the show is about like fighting fascists but then like just like kind of do another fascist government or they just kind of like do another <laughs> dictatorship. Right. Yeah. And they never address they never address that. Right. Like, when we say that, I just, like, stood up. I just sat up in my chair. When we say, like, oh, blank, blank, blank happens, and they never addressed it. The reason is because we expect them to address it because this show is really good at caring about its politics and its characters and why they do the things they do. Yeah. At the same time, like I said, this is a show that's like, wow, the clock regime is really fucked up. I guess someone needs to take over power. Well, it shouldn't be me. It'll just be me and... Hold on, all of my best friends who I've known my whole life and didn't <laughs> right. elect, and we don't have like a term limit. Like, we don't even, and I'm not saying like we got comments from like Ryan, you know, being like in other countries, like we, they don't do term limits the way they do in the US. And it's not that like it's the limit, it's the fact that like none of these people were like chosen to lead. They were just kind of like, you're good at this, and I know you. Like, come on, you want to like run a government yeah, they together? Were, they were just the ones who went to the planet Camino and discovered that uh, there was a clone army that had been ordered by, uh, Jedi Master Sifo-Dyas. It's like if Obi-Wan became, like, the leader of the fucking Empire or whatever, or the First Order. Right, right, like, right, right. It's like, well, he's just Obi-Wan. Like, they, that's that's kind of, that's a pretty accurate comparison. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I think it's it's also not even a problem that that happens because it does feel very believable that military general John Sheridan's solution to how to run things right is he's just going to be a better... Uh, he's going to be a better quasi dictator than the last guy. Yeah. That makes sense from a character perspective, but you're right that the show doesn't ever really, I guess to a certain extent, deconstruction of falling stars kind of 
addresses that, but then immediately Delenn walks in the room and is like, hey, wait a minute. Right. Being mean to Babylon Five. They did their best, you guys. Yeah. And it's like in history, we can't just say like the bad people did their best, and like they replaced a worse government. So like, doesn't that mean that they're objectively good? Yeah, I think the one issue with Babylon Five is like the good guys are still the good guys. You know? Yes. 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 And I, it does. I don't. I don't know a lot about JMS's interiority. I just know from like the part of becoming superman that i've listened to that he loves superman uh-huh. <laughs> and so there so there is there is something superman-esque about john sheridan right because he's like the guy who has all the superpowers and he's using them for good mm-hmm. and so maybe there maybe there's a part of jms that is like intrigued by when you give absolute power absolute power to good people they use it the right way right um but I don't know. It just feel it does feel like a blind spot. That's true. Yeah, and and uh, most of my other complaints about the show stem from the fact that it's just a, a show written by a white male in the 1990s. Like the fact yeah. that so many women are used like to either be fridged or to be like just motivation for characters. But like the cat, Captain Sakai, I will never get over just being like you exist to like go off into fucking mystery space and then uh, Sinclair will have motivation and like how many women in like seasons one and two of the show just came on to like be sad, make Garibaldi sad. Um, yeah. Like I mean, that the, stuff. At the same time, it's a show that also has Susan Ivanova and true that has like season one, Delenn, and like a strong, like a strong queer character and it's in its fucking main cast. And then yeah. like, yeah, Delenn who goes through a lot of changes, but I also feel like, my thing with Delenn is, oh, she's so interesting, right? But she's still like the wife, you know. Like she, the, her she relationship. Become, to, she becomes that, yeah, in a sort of regrettable way. But I exactly. think if we were to revisit her characterization in season one and in season two, she is a much more interesting character than that. Right. It's 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 like a reverse character arc where it's like she starts out really yeah. cool and then gets kind of less cool. Yeah. Um. Right. There is that, and I and I do like. Thinking about season five makes me forget about Havanova and how good she was. I almost said Havanova, which is a place <laughs> that's my my favorite country. Mm-hmm. Um, good Camille Cabello song also, but like Havanova's great and like, uh, <laughs> you know, Lita's great in theory and has great moments, but uh, like I will never not love the moments where like she can't uh, she can't get insurance because she does she isn't signed up with Psycor like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. is just really great. Like the showrunners clearly understand um, the stress that being on a station like Babylon Five can put on the average person, but yeah. our main cast is mostly not average people, right? You know, like I said, That's one of them true. goes from being a cop to being a CEO. One of That's them goes true. from being like a military general to being the president. Like it's just like that moment in Sleeping in Light when they're all sitting around the dinner table. It's just like you are watching old men become old men that are like successful and resting on their laurels. Like they are chilling. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a fundamental difference between, and I think we noted this when we started the show, between something like Farscape and Babylon 5, where on Farscape, your entire cast are runaways and, and prisoners and outcasts. Broken and, people, people who don't, don't have a place they belong. Like, that's what the show is about, right? And, you know, on a, a show like Firefly, same thing, yeah. right? But Babylon 5, it's like, this show is about ambassadors. <laughs> it's about, like... <laughs> It's about the people who are like in some of the highest ranks in their 
society or in their government? And what what do the problems of the universe look like to those people? So it's a different perspective. And sometimes I think it's a detached perspective. Um, but sometimes I think it kind of gets at the heart of these larger questions that you don't always get to examine as purely as you get to in, in Batman yeah, 5. Yeah. And I think the the real sell for me of this show is like, by and large, I'm, I am not leaving the show with any unanswered questions or any uh, feelings of like, they didn't really address that the way that they needed There's to. There's no significant dropped balls, I don't really think. Yeah. I, anything that I'm like, I would have liked to see more of that plot um you know you could say oh well there here's a book that jms outlined and he like had the whole outline of how that was going to go and and this is what happens so i'm like oh okay now i know thanks to the babylon 5 wiki and to every one of our listeners <laughs> what happens with john sheridan's son in a book. <laughs> thank um, you guys <laughs> yeah thank you for answering our question um but I think that, that that's really something special about the show that, like, I think people are used to getting burned sometimes with, I mean, this year people definitely felt some type of way about Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. the way that that ended, right? Um, you were a lost viewer, and I know that people felt the type of way about how Lost ended. Right, right, right. Um, I don't know. I I never watched all of the Battlestar Galactica reboot show, but I know that that ends in a place that's like, this kind of got stupid. Mm-hmm. But Babylon 5 doesn't get stupid. It gets kind of slow, and there's some stuff in the last season that's not great, but it doesn't, it doesn't ever feel uh, like they totally screwed up something great. It feels like they set out to make five seasons of a thing, and they did it. And it gives you everything that you would want in the span of that. And in American television, it's so it's so rare that you can say to someone like, "Hey, watch this show. It's a whole thing. <laughs> it's there's no. I don't need to tell you like, oof, the first season. It's really trashy. Just give I it eight episodes. I just you. heard someone." Sorry, I just heard someone today yeah. recommend um, The Expanse, which uh-huh. is a currently airing um, show, I think, uh, on, I don't know where, but it, there, someone was like, oh, it's real. I love it. It's amazing. Give it eight episodes. And I'm like, you cannot <laughs> ever yeah. tell me to watch a show and give it eight episodes. That's yeah. illegal. Yeah. Babylon 5 is immediately interesting. Even The Gathering is interesting. Yeah. And like it, you know, it has its quirks and it has things about it that are not the best. And that's just going to come with the territory. But I, I think that it it really is a show that you can hype up and recommend, and it lives up to the hype. Um, right. Yeah. And those early moments do hold up to, like, repeated viewings and scrutiny, which not every, like, show does, too. Because, you know, yeah. the way that, that this whole, like, dream of, like, oh, the showrunner gets a whole plan, they planned out the show, and then they made it. The way that often it works out is like the beginning is slow because they're telling you, trust us on this. You need to believe us. It's going to go somewhere. But it's like, yeah. no, I mean, Babylon 5 like kind of starts okay. It starts interesting. It's a little goofy. If you can get over that, you're going to get into one of the like strongest, like coolest sci-fi shows of its of its time. Like it right. really, it did to answer to go all the way back to Nick's question. It did live up to the hype. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, like I said, these these different problems bring it down from like, one being in my favorites but like 
yes, I, I really, really like the show and I'm very happy that it was recommended to us. And I think in a lot of ways it, it, it did super uh, held up to hype. Yeah. So the idea of favorites, this gets us into his second question. How would you rank it compared to other chats about seasons, primarily Farscape? This is, this is an interesting one. Yeah. So there are kind of two ways to answer the question. First is like, how would you compare the shows? And second, how would you compare the experience of us like doing a show about the show? Right. Um, and I think just in terms of like the level of community engagement that we've gotten, um, you can only really compare escape chats to chats on five. Uh, I think other shows that we've done, we've had fun with them and we've had people who've listened along with us, but these big shows, I think were the, the two shows where we had kind of the most engagement and the most consistent back and forth with listeners. Yeah. Um, so that was really special. I, I'm like going back here and there and, and listening to parts of our catalog, partly because it helps me fall asleep and partly because uh, it just, it's interesting to, to think about like how we do things and what should we do next and, and that sort of stuff. And I will say that it, it, it's been fun for me to listen back to the chats room and listen to us watch something that was bad. Yeah. But uh, obviously Babylon five is so much better than the newsroom and oh, does yeah. like, does like journalism episodes that are better than, the <laughs> than like anything the newsroom has to say about journalism. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I think really if we're thinking about in either of those metrics, comparing chat spot season or the show itself, I think Babylon five can only really be matched up against Farscape with some honorable mentions to like, it's fun to hear us yell at Aaron Sorkin on the chats room. And I remember some of the conversations we'd have about love on Daisy chats that yeah. I thought were interesting and, uh, and things like that. But we, anyway, we, so that that's my way of introducing us answering the question instead of right. actually answering it. Um, I don't know. Do you have a, a, a clear thought right off the bat of which one is, is better for you? It, the thing you were saying about like do you, judging the show versus like judging the uh, the podcast is always difficult because I too have been like trying to listen back to old 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 uh, stuff of ours because it's really good to have perspective now that we're like you know pretty much half a decade into doing this um, mm-hmm. and and remembering like yeah we were different people back then fundamentally but like at the same time we were still you know trying to make a good show and like coming from the same inspirations and learning from ourselves like from minute one we were doing that and so like I think when I talk, when I think about like, what's my favorite chat season, it's always getting better. It's like kind of, in yeah, my I opinion, agree. it's getting linearly better. Um, like b- better pacing as a listening experience. I really hope so. If people don't agree with that, I mean, do tell us, like, I want to know like what people think about like how chats episodes are as a listening experience beyond just like, I like it. It's good. Like I, you know, yeah, I mean, they've, that. in the, in the subreddit set up by the brothers at infinite war, uh, which you can go check out. It's uh, r slash chat They've been doing a weekly listen of of Scape Chats, like a throw throw chats Thursdays is what it's called. And um <laughs> Scape Chats sounds bad. Like it sounds like dog shit. <laughs> yeah, the audio's bad and and there are like ten or fifteen discrete pieces of advice I could have given us. Uh I like I yawned a lot into the microphone and like that is just some basic shit. Um but <laughs> So in terms of ChatSpot, I guess, yeah, Chats on 5 is has been a better thing. That said, there were some 
there's just something magic about like the first the first one it'll always you know? be magic of course yeah and like hitting the really high highs of farscape and ending farscape um there's just something special about that so i think i don't know when i think about like farscape or babylon 5 it's it's hard to know which one's better i think in my mind farscape holds a, a position nearer and dearer to my heart because right. because it's like because it's way messier and because it's way goofier yeah. than Babylon 5 and because it was like the first thing that we did it's like our thing yeah you know yeah yeah like I, I don't recommend it to that many people I'm not like it's not at the front of my brain when I think about like sci-fi shows to recommend to people but it's a it's a wonderful show um but yeah, yeah it's I, just very I, sloppy I, it's very messy yeah I think Babylon 5 is like I could recommend it to any sci-fi fan or any person really any person who likes like prestige tv honestly like if you like game of thrones you'd probably like babylon 5 100 yeah um but farscape i'm only going to recommend to you if like i know that you're cool (laughs) yeah like you're in a club if you like farscape yeah if you're legit then i'll tell you about the australian puppet show um (laughs) no not that one the other one (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah i think farscape's a worse show but i think it's it feels more special more special show it makes you feel special um uh, yeah, so uh, and then then I think like in terms of shows I like the most, I will always appreciate Avatar: The Last Airbender most because it's like important to my development as a critic and as like an appreciator of like long term storytelling because it was it came at such a formative time for me. But um, you know that came in that couple of seasons of chats where it's just like oh we're kind of we're kind of just doing good podcasts now. Um, yeah, I think for me, I was like okay, I I don't think we needed to spend all the chats time that we spent on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of just good. Like when people who aren't listening to pilot chats, one of the things that keeps coming up in our pilot chats discussions, um, which you can hear on patreon.com slash transport is like, sometimes shows are just good and you don't want to chat to them. Like we get recommended shows and then we pilot them. And then I'm just like, Oh, I'm just going to watch this. Like, I don't want to talk about this because there has to be like some sort of conversational hook for me. If I'm going to podcast about a show because you can hear, a million generic dudes talking about Game of Thrones, which is like a mostly okay show that has some dumbass parts. You can hear all that stuff. You can hear people talk about good TV. We want to be people that are talking about okay TV. That's where the real meat is. Right. <laughs> That's where all the potatoes and the meat We, we want to talk about like okay TV with big dreams, I think. Exactly. That, oh my to. God. Chats the television podcast. Okay TV with big dreams. Yeah. We could cut, we could shorten that a little bit, but we'll I think we got out. a slogan. <laughs> We'll figure it out. Uh, third question from Nick. Uh, I think we can probably answer these a little quicker. Yeah, definitely. Uh, third question is favorite character overall? Warren Keffer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite character? I like uh, Citizen Jakar. Favorite character um, to see? Londa Malari. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. I think favorite character overall is probably Londo. Yeah. Uh, Londo or Jakar, it's really hard to decide. The characters I get, uh, the character I get most excited about when I see him in a scene is Veer. Yeah, where you're like, oh shit's going to be fun. Here yeah, we like, go. This is about to be delightful. Yeah, he's had such a wonderful arc, right? Because he, he starts out and you're like, who's this weird like attaché who's like got a Game Boy and he's playing games during the meetings? Like, who is uh-huh. this loser? <laughs> I forgot about that. Right now you're like Veer. <laughs> now yeah. I cry when he's on the screen. Um, I think. 
I think Morden was always really cool. Yeah, one of the better villains for sure. For sure. Um, I loved Kosh. I still miss Kosh. <laughs> I still think about how much I used to love gone, Kosh. Gone before his time, honestly. I think the reveals about the Vorlon soured my view of Kosh a little bit. But I think Kosh was like the cool one. Yeah. I wish that he had stayed alive long enough for us to see the shit hit the fan. Because I think that he might have had a different take on all of it. <laughs> what do you think Kosh thought about the 2016 election? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That's what you're saying. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, Kosh is sort of the Mitt Romney. Oh, I'll, <laughs> um, yeah, favorite that's favorite character. Favorite episode or story arc? Uh, okay, so can I break this into two questions? Sure. Okay. So so I, I want you to answer Nick's question of like your favorite story arc. Yeah. And then maybe like your favorite moment or something like that. And then I want you to answer if you were to guest on uh show about babylon 5 what episode would you request oh that you my guest host God, you're, you're flipping this okay so favorite episode is still deconstruction of falling stars that's easy it's like a show it's like an episode that like is written the way i would write an episode of the show mm-hmm. um favorite story arc is probably the i I feel like the late shadow war stuff does is is so exciting the way it, it builds and the dread of it all uh mm-hmm. and all the big reveals like it still has some of my favorite moments um what was the rest of your question if you were to like guest on a babylon 5 podcast and you had to request an episode oh i would request deconstruction oh my god are you kidding me that'd be so fun i would love to talk about that episode with people who haven't watched more of the show you know what if they had the same rule as us that you can't request a finale Ooh. uh then probably um the either the very long night of londo malari i think that'd be awesome that's a good one or um Something in season three, like one of the big turning point moments in season three. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Um, let's see. For me, I would say I think the the episode that I would guest on, I've, I think I've said this before, I would want to talk about Day of the Dead. Yep. Um, just because it's like such a weird <laughs> episode and it the personal Penn and Teller connection is fun. Um, he gets to talk about Londo a little bit. It, it's not the best episode ever, but I would have fun discussing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, let's see, favorite like arc or episode is really hard. Um, I love the Jakar being a religious leader stuff and everything about Jakar is kind of like, um, his, his enlightenment, I guess. Uh, the episode where he like takes the drugs to get inside Londo's mind is, a, I bet if I revisited that, it would be one of my favorites. Hell yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I at first really liked how Sinclair's story arc wrapped up until I realized that he was just sort of like a puppet for the Vorlons, which is a huge bummer. Um, but I think the part of the show, I think the the thing from the show that I think about the most often is the finding out that the Vorlons are like evil, basically such a good reveal, really thinking through like everything about our society and what we conceive of as like good was invented and implanted by the Vorlons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, still, I still think about like the angel encased in ice and, and just thinking through, like shadows and vorlons and what each of them represent and 
how do we find a middle path that's like separate from them? And how do we know that we're really living by what we believe as opposed to some echo of what the Vorlons believed? Um, really, really strong, interesting. That's the stuff that I think I'll walk away with thinking about the most from this show. Um, so I would say just like what you said, the late Shadow War stuff is probably my favorite arc. Yeah, just the way they, they seeded these big ideas with imagery that made you go, oh my God, you're kidding me. You guys really did have this planned out from the beginning. This is bonanza. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite line? That's his next question. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about this one because I wanted to have a good answer. Um, I have a good line. Um, is it okay if I read it? It's a little bit long. Yeah, yeah, do it. Uh, so this is the Narn image talking to Jakar in Dust to Dust. That's like the, the vision nice. of his father, the, like that whole nice. thing. Yep. Um, talking about the Narn and what they're going to be if they keep fighting with the Centauri and all that. Um, what is there left for Narn if all creation falls around us? There's nothing. No hope, no dream, no future, no life. Unless we turn from the cycle of death towards something greater. If we are dying people, then let us die with honor by helping the others as no one else can. Uh, he says, Shikari responds, you know, I can't, I can't, I don't understand. And then the Narn guy right here, this is the moment. Uh, because you've let them distract you, blind you with hate. You cannot see the battle for what it is. We are fighting to save one another. We must realize that we're not alone. We rise and fall together. And some of us must be sacrificed if all of us are to be saved. Because if we fail in this, then none of us will be saved. And the Narn will only be a memory. And the reason I really love that quote is because it, it 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 feels like it has that gentle hand of like a showrunner being like, guys, we're talking about us. Did you get it? But like mm-hmm. it's still it's still like pretty subtle and like poignant without being too like there are like most of the Jakar lines I could have picked are like, yeah, this is just pointing to life and it resonates with me and I love it. But this is like the show is talking to you straight up and being like, you're going to blow yourselves up, guys. You got it. You got to get along with each other. Yeah. I really like that. Oh, what about you? That's a great one. That's really good. Thank you. Um, I think my favorite line is when Kosh says, No. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's by far my favorite. <laughs> Fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. Eat my ass. Oh. <laughs> wow. Get your encounter suited butts out of here. <laughs> no. Love Kosh. Big big Kosh fans here. Big, big Kosh fans. Toilet book. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I I think I'd ha- I didn't do the prep here <laughs> to look up what my favorite would be. Um I think it'd probably be something Londo says, but I just can't uh uh I'll, can I give you one? Head. Yeah. Dancing shoes? Oh, you're right. <laughs> Let me find it. Londo dancing shoes. Yeah, could you find that one for me? Uh huh. Londo dancing shoes. Babylon Five. Oh man. Oh, this one's good too. I found another good Londo one after he uh, when he's talking to Veer after Veer kills Cartaja. Yep. And by the way, Cartaja is one of my fave characters. Absolutely. Uh, Londo says, "I cannot tell you that your pain will ever go away. I cannot tell you that you'll ever forget his face." I can only tell you that it was necessary. You may have helped to save our people. You did a hard thing. But you still have your heart, and your heart is a good one. You would not be in such great pain otherwise. That means that there is still hope for you. And for that, I find that I still envy you. Yes. That's a good one, right? And it's great to compare that to Londo in season one. 
with yeah. uh with dancing shoes you want to read it i just okay, put it yeah. in the so chat this i think definitely is my favorite line uh something my father said he was old very old at the time i went into his room and he was sitting alone in the dark crying so i asked him what was wrong and he said my shoes are too tight but it doesn't matter because i've forgotten how to dance i never understood what that meant until now my shoes are too tight and i've forgotten how to dance uh <laughs> so sad <laughs> oh my god so this segues into the last question from nick which i think i can answer first um he says what question would you ask to jms if you could ask him anything um are you good <laughs> <laughs> you good bro you good bro you want to hang out do you want to hang out do you want to like get a burger do you want to i want to like go to a restaurant with jms and see what his favorite food is and see what he thinks about what like what his favorite food in his his hometown is, and like we'll go to, we're gonna hang out around Jersey and get a pizza probably, and like go yeah. around his old neighborhood, like go to Patterson, and just I want to just like pick his brain about stuff, like a single question. I don't know, like what do you want to do next? Maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I I would never ask him anything like, do you want to bring back V five? Because he gets that literally every five minutes. But just like yeah. what do you like? What's what do you what's going on? Like what do you got? I can think of two questions that I would ask him. Um, by the way, the addendum in Nick's question is why haven't you asked him since he answers pretty much everybody on Twitter. That's why uh, I haven't because it intimidates me a lot. Yeah, because I'm scared. I'm super scared. I'm scared he'll answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the two questions I'd be curious to ask him. The first is I just want to hear the process of like how similar or different the final product of Babylon 5 is compared to his initial plan. And like, are there things that he's, he was surprised came up and he's like happy with how they went? Are there things that he like were in his original plan that changed and maybe they needed to, but it was hard to let go. I'm just really curious about like that process from him as a storyteller who crafted this thing over the course of five years. And like, you know, TV is a medium that it's a, it's a village medium, right? Like it, it's hard, I think, to be someone who has such complete creative control over a television show. Um, mm. So I'm curious, like, how did he maintain that? Did How much did he maintain that? What changed that? Those sorts of things. And then the other question is, like, I'd want to know if he would describe Babylon 5 as a hopeful show. Ooh, yeah. Um, and uh, why or why not? Do you think it's a hopeful show? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's like as hopeful as we can be, you know. Right. It's hopeful while being like pretty brutally honest with itself. That's a good point. It's like hope despite all the warts, like because like you said, as a in the last episode, as a response to Trek being like, no, actually, we we do bring our our crap into the into space, and what does that mean? What does that look like? What is that? look like politically and on a state level what does that mean yeah i think it's a show that really helps you to see like we can achieve and become the best of ourselves like it is actually attainable but it is also hard to do for sure so those are nick's questions um do we want to move forward reading some other things yeah we have we can um read these two sort of like gag sleeping in light emails before we read our last one from Danny, because that one's more of like okay. a personal um, 
overarching email. So if you want to read Nick's next email, that's just about like the viewing order and the David stuff. <laughs> sure. Okay. So Nick says regarding episode 64, my final note on the viewing order is to bring up Pat's original premiere chats pod email. Uh, was that on reviewing of Babylon 5 is to watch season 5 first, then season 4, then after season 4, watch season 5, episode 22. Uh, certainly the tone issues you ran into, you can see how Sleeping in Light right after season 4 flows better. That would be so weird. Watch hmm. season 5 first. That would be bizarre. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I think Sleeping in Light should happen at the end of season 4. Uh, to clarify the timeline, David turned 16, the Keeper uh, in his present takes him, and eventually he ends up on Centauri Prime. Sheridan and Delenn team up with Jakar and Veer, eventually rescue, rescuing him, though getting caught in the process. And then other future events happen, including the death of Londo Jakar and Veer's ascension to Emperor. He eventually defeats the Drak. It was still October. I'd suggest the spooky... Th oh, if it was still October, I'd suggest the spooky theory that Zack is actually dead. And him signing back up six months ago is when he died. And his ghost is hanging around Babylon 5 until its end. Oh, sure. I know it doesn't totally hold up, but whatever. Yes. I think that's better, that it's a ghost. Dead Zack. Zack is dead. It's yeah. better than Squall is dead, definitely. I like that. Um, if you go back to season five, episode two, the very long night of Londo Malari, in a bit of a retro written foreshadowing, uh, you see Sheridan transition through his different outfits, including his on Shock leader role, and into the light scene in Sleeping in Light. Oh. Okay, I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure someone else will mention that the technician that turns the lights off before Babylon 5 is destroyed is JMS himself. If anyone turns out the lights, it should be him. Yeah, I, I I did not notice this myself, but as I was like editing the Sleeping in Light discussion, I was watching. I like to like watch clips of the episode in case I want to pull quotes. And I was looking, and I was like, "Who is is that? Is that?" And then I confirmed, and I was like, "Whoa, that's really great. That's <laughs> you dream yeah. to be able to do that, folks. If you make if you run your own TV show, to be able to literally be in the show and turn the lights off on the on the station, like, oh, yeah, what a good moment. Yeah, that's a cool yeah. cameo. Uh, I mentioned to Alan in the pre-show in my appearance that while this episode made me sad before, uh, but I only started to cry after I got married. So I'll remind you to watch it again for whoever gets married first. Oh, boy. Yeah, oh I bet boy. that'll hit a lot harder. Um, and, of course, the biggest reveal ever that Babylon 5 is, in fact, doc a documentary. We didn't, I we forgot, didn't talk, we didn't about, talk this. about this. Not at all, <laughs> so yeah. So stupid. Babylon 5 is, in fact, a documentary produced by ISN at the end of the episode showing off the cast and crew. That's so dumb. I, I think reading it like that makes me angry right because you're just like <laughs> like it's really goofy because it just says like and now for those watching the thing uh pause your sets uh to watch the credits and then in like three seconds they show the entire cast and crew and i thumbed through that like five or six times just trying to find as many as i could it's nice to be like oh there's the like the makeup people and there's catering and there's like the the character the actors and the directors and then yeah give them more that. than a frame yeah I'm i don't okay need a frame watching I'm what, okay with watching the whole credits, you guys. Exactly. In the final episode of your show, you got to give me the full credits with like a cute epilogue or like a cute bunch of photos of the cast hanging out. That's what yeah. I want in every show. Um, But Babylon 5 being a documentary is just like the, the camera can't zoom out that far. It's not it's not allowed. Not literally, yeah. but like it <laughs> narratively, it's just absurd. Um, Yeah. So thank you, Nick. Always yeah. appreciate your emails. You want to read this uh, Ryan one? I do. Um, very straightforward. Uh, mm, baby daddy don't like you, said Londo is the subject line. <laughs> yucky. Ryan knows how to go right for the jugular. Oh, uh, yucky. He starts this emails to help you understand the Londo timeline stuff and clear up some stuff about our boy Londo. 
when Sheridan travels forward in time and meets Emperor Londo, it seems that for whatever reason, probably because the ISA is interfering with their plans, that the Drock have captured Sheridan and Delenn and plan on executing them. The reasons as to why uh, they're captured don't really matter, but what matters is that Londo suppresses his keeper long enough to tell Sheridan the truth about what has been going on. And by freeing Delenn and Sheridan, he knows that they will gather the ISA together to bring down the Drock and free his people, but he won't live to see this happen. In the end, Londo does get a happy-ish ending, for in his final moments, he saves his friends. And in doing and so in so doing, his uh, his people, and although he was a puppet... Oh, sorry, that was reported, really. Uh, but he knows he won't let this see this happen. In the end, Londo does get a happy-ish ending, for in his final moments, he saves his friends, and in so doing, his people. And although he was a puppet for the Drock all those years, in the end, he stands up against them, knowing it'll kill him. The details as to what happens from here aren't really clear and don't actually matter, but you can infer that the ISA defeat the Drock Veer becomes emperor and isn't under draw control. Perfect. Nice. That's Love all we see. wanted to know. That's yes. That's Asked and answered. Pleasant. Um, Magellan, hit us with this wonderful email from Danny about what yeah. um, he thought about what what Babylon Five means to him. I sure will. So we got this email from Danny who says, "Hey guys, uh, first of all, I would like to thank you personally for this little common journey of ours. No matter how big or small of an impact the show has made." I would like to thank you for doing these reviews with regards from the entire Babylon 5 fan community. It has personally been fun to listen to and follow my very first podcast ever, and each Sunday night has been a highlight because of you too. Oh, thank Aww. you, Danny. Uh, goes on to say, Now you want to hear how we all feel about Babylon 5, and that makes it important, and what makes it important to us. To me, I first have to explain a personality trait of me uh, in order to add some scope to this. Um... When I love and like something, I watch or listen to whatever it is as often as possible. For instance, I like all kinds of music, but 95% of the time, I only listen to two bands that I adore. It's just who I am, and the same can be said about TV and Babylon 5. Babylon 5 naturally hits a lot of things I find fascinating, like lore building, the mix of scope that feels both intimate and grand, study of history, how history repeats itself and how culture is defined, how and why we do the things we do, love and hate. Overall, Babylon 5 feels like peeling an onion really slow. Uh, I really want to say orange here, (laughs) that you find new vast layers to, in many ways, how I feel every time I watch The Matrix. Uh, In many ways, what The Matrix did for science fiction, I kind of feel that Babylon 5 holds the new seat of influence uh, of that that came in the mid and late 90s. Now, my moral complex is probably more akin to that of Star Trek, but Babylon 5 taught uh, me early how to think and question the reality we live in, and those margins of impact comes very rarely. In many ways, I'm still learning new stuff about Babylon 5. In particular, I learned a lot of references from just listening to your podcast. So when I say that I've watched something for countless hours and still can find something new to learn, that is truly incredible. Let's take the Brother Theo episode as an example. I'm not religious at all. Uh, Stefan, who guessed it on that episode, is. We have different ways of interpreting that episode, different connections to that episode, yet we still, the both of us, probably still feel the same emotions. Uh, But what we take from the episode is vastly different. That alone is worth admiring. Uh, yeah, that was a fantastic guest appearance. Still. Truly. One of our yeah. best. One of our uh, most happy to have him. Yeah. Danny closes up by saying, obviously, we all know that Londo's great. We know Jakar is great. We know that Delenn is great. But what keeps getting me back to this show isn't them. It's the fact that I learn something of myself every time I watch. But more importantly, I also learn about how other people might take away something completely different. That's why I keep coming back. Uh, again, I hope I didn't take too long and made all of you fall asleep. No, you didn't, Danny. Thanks once again, and keep doing great work. You've added a new long-term listener, Danny. Oh, that's really great. 
Thank wholesome. You, we got some wholesome comments on this one, folks. It's really wonderful to hear. Um, both how the show affected you, which is why we put out the prompt, and also what you thought about our whole nonsense thing, because we're just two weirdos recording audio. Yeah. And we keep doing that, and people keep listening to it and telling us it's good, and I still don't believe them, but thanks anyways. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, so that was, that was wonderful. Um, I think Babylon 5 is one of those shows that's definitely going to stick in my head for a while, and um and really does hold up to a lot of different types of scrutiny uh, most of the time so yeah so uh let's take a break and then do the rest of the episodes that sounds oh, good oh yeah sounds good yeah we, we still got a whole podcast to do <laughs> whoa all right hey jets guys uh it's nick here just wanted to say congrats on making it through babylon 5 uh what it means to me babylon 5 of course we've talked about how one of my favorite shows that i'll watch every year or two um but you guys made something special by letting me and others share your first time viewing and uh you know living it vicariously through you guys and uh, having a lot of fun with that and uh, probably i'll tune in again whenever i do my next babylon 5 re-listen review and uh looking forward to crusade as uh, the show is um, known for saying that its demise is greatly exaggerated because even at the end of Babylon 5 there's still more Babylon 5 you have the great work cheers Welcome back to Chat Salon 5. The <laughs> we didn't watch a second episode this week. We have a second half of our bucket discussion. But our disgusting buckets. Disgusting <laughs> discussion. <laughs> and discussion. Uh what is that from? Is that Jenny Slate saying disgusting in some She definitely does say it like that. Yeah, I think it I don't remember what character, but I think it's uh, probably be... her character on Parks and Rec. I think so. Either that or uh the Liz and Liz from Kroll Show. Oh, yeah. Disgust. No one watched the Kroll Show with John. What? Yeah. Come on, you guys. Go watch it. Watch it's the Kroll Show. you got to be Alan and Magellan in college, and you'll love the Kroll Show. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so first off, we got to talk about our highlights. Is it funnier if I do the clip or if I just don't use the audio? Don't song? use the audio because then it's not a reference. Okay, then it's you know? then it's a copyright strike. Yeah. Um so first up it's our highlight discussion. Um these are the episodes that we think, you know, you should watch. With these. TVH, yeah. You want to have a good time watching television, which is what you're here for. So, Alan, you want to start us off with your first highlight of season five? Which is what you're here for, Derek. I felt that sounded targeted. <laughs> like it sounded like you wanted to tell someone something. Uh, um, yeah, I want to tell you. I want to tell you, uh-huh. the listener, and also you, Magellan, that my first highlight is uh, episode four: "A View from the Gallery." Uh, I'm oh. a sucker for uh, one-off episodes like this. Um, 
uh, you know, the two characters who the show doesn't think are, are, are just kind of like the average Joe. They just work on the ship. What are they doing? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And it manages to have some emotional pathos and manages to teach us things about characters we already know. Um, the performances are good. They, they did a great one of these. I'm really happy that this exists. This is one of the episodes that I like expected more of season five to be, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's a cute little throwaway thing. And it walks you around the ship, takes you on a tour. Yeah. You get to meet some characters. And, uh, they address fun. the fact that the people doing the vacuuming aren't actually doing anything. They're getting paid to do <laughs> yep. basically. So if you thought there you would have any unanswered questions at the end of Babylon 5, you were <laughs> You're right. Yeah. So, yeah, View from the Gathering is just a fun one. I don't really have a lot of detailed thoughts about it, but uh, it was enjoyable. I think we watched it together, right? Or we discussed it together. I can't remember. I don't know anymore. I think we watched it together and we liked it. I believe you. Yeah. Uh, my first highlight comes from later in the season. It's episode 15, Darkness Ascending. And What happened um, in it? This one, it's mostly a highlight because it... Sorry, hold on. I had a burp. Nice. This one's mostly a highlight because it uh, it's a pretty good episode. Or it's an episode that's happening during like the meaty best part of the season. And it's just not the best part of that arc. So Darkness Ascending is when Lanier kind of, uh, he goes off to find evidence of the Centauri attacking shipping lanes. And then Lise and Garibaldi are talking about how he's a drunk and he's like getting the snooty waiter to not look at him while he gives himself a drink. And it's kind of like setting up the sort of end game of season five. And it's a pretty good episode, and you're going to want to watch it to understand the context of everything that's going on. But on its own, it's not necessarily the most dazzling uh, standalone watching experience. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed big time. Uh, standalone watching experience is like episode 13. The core is mother. The core is father. Ugh, father. I love the telepaths. I want more telepaths. And the, uh, the show heard me and they said, here's a bester episode. The only thing that keeps this episode from being like top tier, God tier, S tier, whatever you want to call it, is the fact that uh, they made bester horny. Whether or not that's a plus or minus no, they depends didn't. on what. They made everyone horny for they bester. They made everyone horny towards bester. True, true, true. So true. He's just wearing sweaters like a fucking dad in this episode. Yeah. Meanwhile, everyone else is like, or especially like the lady in turn. He's like, uh, I'll stay in your room with you. And he's like, no, please. I have to do evil things. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, Get Bester was supposed to come to uh, Crusade and didn't end up doing it because the show got canceled really early, which is so sad. But I love Bester. I love just yeah, getting into the telepath stuff. Obviously, very silly things like seeing the visualization of telepaths fighting as like Vorlon and shadow lights and like tentacles and shit like that is like yeah. kind of silly. But... Um, this was a, and Stephen first directed this one. So it's one of those mm-hmm. like kind of weirder one-offy good episodes. I like that we saw an episode from a, a totally different perspective in the world, not just like a different perspective on Babylon five, but like a whole different place, uh, and a whole different cast of characters with different motives and shared goals. I wish season five had done more of this, or at least we'd, I wish we'd seen more of these throughout the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was that highlight. My second highlight comes from towards the end of the season, episode nineteen, "The Wheel of Fire." 
so we got a lot of Jakar dealing with his cult of personality. That's pretty delightful. Um, I would say that stuff is probably the best out of what this episode has to offer. Uh, and him kind of like becoming increasingly frustrated with uh, his followers is really, really fun. And then the other stuff like Delenn is pregnant. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Uh, Lockley helping Garibaldi with his alcoholism is actually, I think, pretty well done. It's just that I always felt sort of strange about that Lockley character development being planted in Day of the Dead that she, like, has a past. Right. Um, just gave her backstory. But I'm glad that it paid off. And, you know, I felt like she and Garibaldi had some meaningful conversations in this one. Uh, yeah, so I think overall Wheel of Fire is, like, pretty good i think the best stuff is the the jakar stuff and then that other stuff is like fine um but the jakar stuff alone makes this good enough that it's it's up there for me he's one of the best yeah some might say he's the best um my last highlight is episode 17 movements of fire and shadow uh this is a big learning episode i always love the turning point episodes of v5 because um they kind of like uh, underline what's really important about the show both with its themes and like just like hey here are the plot lines that matter um the draka are a factor we've got uh lita and franklin together which is an odd pairing we have them on the drazi homeworld which i love to see we get a lot of big moments in this one um and it's just it's an important episode more than it is uh you know just a, a good episode but i think the action and where it lies in the season it it, it succeeds pretty much across the board really well mm-hmm I would say the final highlight episode is uh, episode 21, Objects at Rest. So it's sort of sandwiched in between episodes that we would call essential. Um, Objects at Rest is kind of like, um, I don't know what you would say. It's kind of like the slower middle chunk of this ending triad of, of the season. Yeah. And... It's like kind of quiet and a little sad because a lot of our favorite characters are gone. Some of them are off in different places. And we get some goodbyes and we see Sheridan and Dylan leave Babylon 5. And then there's just this weird Lanier as being a douchey dude uh, plot uh. that needed to happen, I guess, to fulfill the prophecy. But, uh, you know, it makes the episode not the most fun true yeah it's probably the like the most cynical maybe not cynical but it's definitely like the darkest of the of the final episodes and that's what keeps it from being an essential right but it is it is good mm-hmm. or it's always it's, it's in a it's in a, a good and entertaining watch i think yeah for sure so those are the highlights and now we can finally get to the best of the best the creme de la creme the cream of the creme the essential episodes. If you're only going to watch six episodes of the whole season, like a like a crazy guy, first like of all, a wackadoo, uh, these are the ones that you should watch. And I can go first. So Please. my my first essential is episode two of the season, the very long night of Londo Malari. Ah, and Ugh. this is a it's a filler episode. I would yeah. say, and this it's is what skippable. I was this is what I was saying before about. Two, I would say two of my essentials are filler episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you're somebody who's saying like season four is good because it has no filler, then you're not right. <laughs> um, 
season four is good for other reasons because of the fill. oh no yeah <laughs> um but some of season five is good because it's filler like the core's mother core's father view from the gallery those are both definitely filler episodes uh and the very long night of londo malaria's filler as well londo falls into some kind of like coma situation and uh goes on a bit of a mind quest where he learns that he needs to be a better person and apologize for being evil and it's just it's just fantastic and it got us to have a really interesting conversation about like atoning for things and you know doing wrong and is it possible to be a better person and this episode really represents i think the heart of like what makes londo a fascinating and compelling character throughout the show and is kind of one of the last moments of of triumph and good feeling that you get to have from londo before he <laughs> plummeted is, into sadsville yeah before he is he's consigned to his own personal hell you really do hate to see it yeah but I mean, you don't. It's very fun fantastic. and entertaining. Yeah. yeah. Magellan, if you got an episode of a TV show that you were on where people went, you had your own mind quest, um, mm-hmm. what would be kind of the big beats? Like, what would be some of the, like, sets oh, that you'd, know, you'd visit? Man. I don't know if I'm ready to talk about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to climb inside your brain live yeah. on the podcast. Let's no, you don't not, have to. Let's not do that. Sure. Um, let's instead talk about episode 16. And all my dreams torn asunder. Uh, always the guests pick the good episodes. That's just the way things work. I totally get it. I would do the same thing. Um, We were welcome to have a guest on All My Dreams Toward Asunder, which is a good episode. Guran Gaik directs. um, It's a one-off director. Usually the one-off directors tend to be the weirder episodes, and I think this one is more uh, strange in its directorial choices, like the camera does some weird stuff in this one. But, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean... B five does tension so fucking well, guys, and I I, I use that term light. I use that term lightly, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you use it, it sparingly. There's the one. Right. Um, it's just like that the way that like Londo and Veer figuring out that everyone is is plotting against them, and nobody who's plotting against them wants to, but they have to. It's so sad and scary, and Londo lashing out and throwing the papers, and none of this matters, and. You want a war, you got a war. All everything's in this episode. Everything that makes yeah. like the boardroom frustrations and, and like tensions, all of it is in this one single episode and it is a tightly condensed forty five minutes. Right. And it's just like the thing about this episode is that there are no there are no bad guys that you can see. Like obviously this is being orchestrated by the Drock, but yeah. it, it echoes these scenes from early Babylon five where Londo is, you know, he's felt blustery and he's like, haha, it's wartime or let me do my speech. But there's no heart in it anymore for him. Everybody's just doing their job and playing their part and things are falling to pieces. Yeah. Um, when everybody knows that it doesn't need to be this way. And there's something about that that's just like really fascinating and really sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my second essential episode is uh, episode eight, Day of the Dead, which, Ooh. you know, someone could make the argument that it doesn't belong as an essential. I think that it does uh, because it's just weird and I love weird ones. So you've got Neil Gaiman's on the script and he's doing some he's doing some kooky stuff. And I think I I just spoke disparagingly about a couple of the plots that follow from this episode, like the Lockley thing 
and Lanier getting the prediction from Morden kind of goes in odd places. But yeah. there's just something that I really love about the conceit of we're going to have these four characters, Londo, uh, Garibaldi, Lockley, and Lanier, each be visited by someone who's going to kind of speak to them in exactly the way they need to be spoken to. And that is the engine just for character development and for emotional moments. Um, it feels very bottle episode in a way that, you know, Babylon 5 is almost always on Babylon 5, but it doesn't always feel kind of like closed in and cozy the way that this episode does. Right. Um, and then, of course, Penn and Teller, everyone's either there, and I love Penn and Teller so much. And I want Penn to, to be your dad. I want them to I want to be my dad, so. Um, so I love it. It's I I would watch it again right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 a one that I could just watch for funsies. Yeah. That's a one. <laughs> that's a one. Um I'll do my last essential first and then you do your last one. Hell okay. yeah. So my last essential is episode eighteen, the fall of Centauri Prime. Um so that is <laughs> we mentioned Londo stepping into his own personal hell and if uh the very long night of londo malari is his redemption this is his his damnation mm-hmm. um damnation as a form of penance i would say uh like now he's really fully pay- paying the price for all of his actions he's got the keeper put on him he's got to give the scary imperialist guy speech he's got to march to his solo coronation it's just bleak <laughs> and Duh. uh and you can argue it's exactly what he deserves um and you get the dramatic kind of like uh, life flashing before his eyes sequence of clips from throughout the show. If you're a Londo fan, this this episode is a must. Uh, it's it'll make you feel some things. Feel it some kind of way. Yeah, it's uh it's probably one of the best Londo episodes. Just period. Like if you like that vibe, that's all. Mm. This it's just a, another like concentrated <laughs> shot of it. Yeah. Sweetie, do I have two left or one left? Oh, I cut you off. You have two left, but they're both after the one that I just said. So yeah, we're, that's we're good, that's sweetie. fine. Uh, my next one is episode twenty, objects in motion. Again, as Magellan talked about with objects at rest, uh, I think motion and the objects in motion and objects at rest obviously intentionally have form a sort of poetic connection with each other, where objects in motion is about people understanding why they need to say goodbye and starting to say goodbye and leaving and where they're going. It's about people traveling. It's about people walking and. Uh, getting in ships and and cleaning up behind them and knowing what they're leaving behind and all that stuff. And then object at rest is people kind of like sitting amongst the debris. Um, Mm -hmm. Objects in motion tends, it resonates more with me because of that motion uh, of the, of the titular motion. Uh, (laughs) I just, I like, I like seeing people say goodbye. I like that more than the sort of like, and again, it's not in any way to say something negative disparagingly about uh, objects at rest like I do think that's still a strong episode it's just that objects in motion feels like you are watching these characters make big decisions that are going to last them the rest of their lives uh, before they have to sit in them which is what rest is kind of about um, and then jumping forward um, the most essential arguably filmed at the end of season 4 here it is folks it's the series finale of Babylon 5 and our last essential episode it's episode 22, Sleeping in Light. Um, this is a very like pensive, 
melancholy episode. It's about a married couple saying goodbye for the last time. It's about a man who's accepted that he's done everything he can do. It's about people putting on their their nice clothes and going for a Sunday drive. Mm -hmm. It's about bringing all your friends over for one last dinner and talking about everyone who died. Like, it is such a profoundly like emotional episode that has so little to do with science fiction that it, it loops around and becomes like this beautiful parable about, about everything that Babylon five is about, you know, mm. about family and about war and how we recover and why we do the things we do. It, it condenses a lot of those themes into this one, like very tight episode. And while I, I do agree that like this still feels like it, it sits in the mental headspace of season four, um, a really interesting finale, a really like thoughtful, quiet finale there's no explosions at the end of b5 there is a man going off into heaven and a a higher power bringing him there uh it's a beautiful one yeah it's you can't ask for a better ending than that truthfully truthfully yeah that does that folks that's our buckets um let us know if you agree or disagree with our how we bucketed the the season um we like doing that especially for people who don't watch all of b5 and want to know what happened in the season the show without listening back to everything hey guys marcus here what a wild ride it's been i discovered you right when i was kind of in a transition point in my life i just quit my job i was unemployed and kind of rediscovering what made me happy and pretty high on that short list was babylon 5 I started watching it again for the first time in over a decade, looked for podcasts and stumbled, lo and behold, on Chat Salon 5. I think you were just maybe in the third or fourth episode of season one. It couldn't have been any more perfect. I'd always heard of people finding their group, finding their podcast, their niche for whatever they were passionate about. I'd been to a, a viewing of the Psych movie for that obscure procedural comedy tv show with my fiance and everyone there with their pineapples and their inside joke psych swag and i was like man i want this for something that i love and honestly discovering the two of you and what you've been doing felt gave me that feeling in a way i've never had before it's been a real joy just going on this journey with you and i'm so glad to have been there thank you again for having me on the show it's it's really been amazing, and I can't wait to hear what's next. Next, since we still have, you thought, oh, they must be done with chat. Chat salon's over, right? There's no more chat salon. Incorrect no. person, yeah, human. Still. Whoa, are you doing a voice thing? No, was I doing a voice thing? Wait, it sounded like you had a filter on. Oh, maybe that was just for you? Oh. Do you want me to put a filter on the episode so that no, everyone no, else can hear a filter? No, 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 no. Okay. Um, no, we're not done yet, folks. We still have, uh, well, we have a whole show. Or a whole season of a show that was canceled. We're going to be watching Crusade. But before we watch Crusade, next week on Chats on 5. Don't tell the kids what we're watching. Uh, next week, we're watching one of the movies. Specifically, we're watching A Call to Arms. Which, from what I understand, is like the pilot movie for Crusade. Mm-hmm. Or launches Crusade or something like that. Yeah. And the description goes like this. A new generation of freedom fighters inherits the peacekeeping mantle for the universe as they fight the ultimate threat to mankind, a deadly biogenic plague unleashed on Earth by an evil race. (sighs) Done. Very cool. Um, That brings me to a brief question, Magellan. I want to ask you, Mm -hmm. um, before we start Crusade, what do you think's going to happen? 
Well, people like it when we predict things and we're wrong and they're like, ah, ha, 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 the chats kids are so foolish. Why'd they get this wrong? Um, yeah, so let's give it a shot. I, I, what, do you, what do you think? Well, Majon, I think this is the plot of Crusade. I think it lays out like this. Okay. We got a new ship. I love it when there's a new ship. We're going to get new equipment. We're going to get new outfits. I know there's a whole thing about the outfits changing. Um, they're trying to find the cure to a world-ending virus, which we know from that. Um, I've heard it's very horny. I'm disappointed to hear that that a Babylon 5-related series is going to get horny at all. Mm. Nobody should be fucking on, on this show, but who knows? Um, everyone's horny for each other. There's going to be like a sexy Gary Cole captain. Um, the ensemble is good, but the dialogue is bad. That's what I am predicting. Um, I'm also predicting that the Technomage is my favorite character, just because I will forever be the Technomage stan here, um, no matter what anyone tells me. Uh, I also have a feeling that there's going to be like a very boring romance plot at the center of it. And then we're going to be disappointed because it's going to finally set up a major plot in like episode 13. And then we're not going to hear about where that went until we read the like unread, un, uh, unfilmed scripts. Mm-hmm. It'll be a mess, dude. That's what I predict. It's going to be a hot mess. Hot mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying Crusade is the story of a guy named Greg. It was a pretty good day and then gets new pants. And I know the pants thing happens, but I can't remember if his name is actually Greg. I just know that he has a magic friend and maybe other friends or maybe he talks to the ship somehow. So that's a crusade. Ooh, God, wouldn't it be? Ah, now I'm just thinking about Moya talking to a ship. I know, right? <sighs> I honestly, I don't know what's going to happen in Crusade. I don't really care what's going to happen in Crusade. <laughs> Battle of Five is over for all intents and purposes. Yeah, this is going to be a really weird experience. This is going to feel like when I graduated from college, I worked on campus for the summer after I graduated. Oh, God. Yeah. And, and it was like just the weirdest like waking sleep experience I've ever had because yeah. it's like, hey, all this great place where you had all these memories and all these friends. Now it's sort of an empty husk full of obnoxious high schoolers. Oh my god! And you're responsible <laughs> for them. <laughs> uh, so I feel like Crusade's gonna feel like that. Wow, you might you might be exactly on the money. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and so let's uh, take it to the plug zone. Does that sound like a fun plan? Yeah, let's do it. So call to arms next week. We'll do a commentary track for that and a little discussion. Discussion will uh, we'll wrangle out what. Mr. Charlie, I almost gave him his commentary nickname, but you have to listen to the commentaries to know what his secret yeah. nickname is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to email us questions, comments, concerns about Babylon 5, about chats, about whatever, uh, do so by sending us to chatspod at gmail.com. That is C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at ChatsPod. You can send us uh, DMs. Where our DMs are open. Um, you can send us comments there. Follow us for updates about the show. Um, as always, it doesn't just have to be for a finale. If you want to send comments by voice, we'll play those on the show instead of reading emails. That's always fun. It mixes things up. If you have a microphone and you can keep a comment under two minutes, I don't see why I wouldn't play it. I don't see why I wouldn't do it. Uh, we want to get the show out there. Please consider rating us on iTunes and telling your friends about chats. We love getting new listeners and getting new listener emails and comments because those people rule as well as all of our uh, regular standbys. Um, a safe space for chats listeners uh, founded by our regular standbys, Nick and Pat, uh, is our subreddit, aforementioned subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash chatspod, uh, where we're talking about the episodes, we're watching, listening to old chats episodes, we're uh, discussing everything that has to do with chats. 
um, and including B5. So check that out. And um, also do please, please, please consider checking out our Patreon at patreon.com slash chatspod. Uh, over there, you can get bonus content uh, we have at $1 a month, uh, commentary chats. Every month, we watch a movie together and we talk over it. Uh, $3 a month, you get that, as well as Chats Nights, where John and I, every other week, uh, just kind of talk about whatever we feel like it. Um, as we reach the end of the year, we are getting ready to do our Chats Nights on our Spotify Unwrapped, which we did this last year. But if you're not familiar with Spotify, the music streaming service has a feature they uh, they put up in December where they tell you all the music you listen to, how much of it, what your top songs are. And we love digging into that stuff. It's very fun uh, sort of bonus content. And then our top tier, $5 a month. Just $5 a month and you get all this content, guys. Isn't that ridiculous? Can you believe it? Um, we're practically giving it away. Pilot Chats. John and I, every other other week, uh, watch the pilot of a TV show that someone recommended us. And we try to determine if it's a good chat show. And we talk about why that is or why it isn't. Um, so check all that stuff out. And Majon, my first question for you is, do you have a chat some? Yes, I do. Oh, fabulous. What is it then? I have a chat some for a uh, YouTube channel. Um, so I've been into getting re-into board games. I think I've talked a lot of board game talk recently. And um, there is a really great YouTube channel for board game reviews called Shut Up and Sit Down. If you are oh, yeah. familiar with it, you already know the vibes. If you're not, it's uh, you know some British lads who... Just have some really clear, well-presented thoughts on board games, and their videos are charming without being cloying. And, uh, you know, if you're curious about a game, I, I would put a lot of trust in what they have to say. So you should check them out on YouTube. YouTube, shut up and sit, shut down. Up and sit down. Love it. I've, heard, I've watched some of their stuff. They're really good. They do. Yeah. If I'm ever curious about, like, what the hell is this, and I just type it into YouTube, I always look for their stuff first. Mm-hmm. What about you? Do you have a chat some? So I have a, a Netflix special chat sim, and then I also have a real life chat sim. Which one do you want first? I want the Netflix one first. Uh, I've been talking about this to Magellan every night since I started watching it because it's it's a comedy special uh, from a comedian that we're both big fans of. Jenny Slate um, just recently put up her Netflix special. It's called uh, Stage Fright. Um, it's straight, pretty straightforward. I mean, Jenny Slate's a wonderful comedian. Um, she's been doing work on TV and voice acting for a while. Uh, you may know her from Parks and Rec, like we mentioned earlier. Um, she's been on a ton, of, a ton of stuff. And Stage Fright is, like, different from your usual stand-up just because uh, it's not – It's I think most stand-up is, is very uh, personal and autobiographical. But what's cool about the way that Stage Fright is framed is um, it's – her doing stand-up in front of an audience in Boston where she's from uh, and also intercut with like her going to her hometown and her childhood home with her parents and her sisters and talking to them about everything that like is related to what she's talking about in the special. Um, and it's really wholesome and really, and really like very, very, very funny. Like mm-hmm. the mix of like moments where I smiled and thought like, man, this nostalgia is great. And then busted gut laughing are, are constant. And then, by the end of it, you are just very invested in this human being's inter- interiority in a way that I feel like most stand-ups should be doing. Like, I think stand-ups should be somewhat like, you know, trying to engender empathy in this way. Yeah. Um, it's a really beautiful special, and I think people will get a lot out of it. That's great. Um, and then briefly, my, my real-life chat some. Uh, I don't think this necessarily has to be a religious thing, but if you're out there and you uh, want a little treat in December... 
I know we're already in like the middle, like the we're still early in December. Get it? Go just go get an advent calendar, guys. God, they're so fun. <laughs> they're so. It's like three, you get. You think about this. You pay like three dollars or whatever, and you get a big hunk of plastic with a bunch of chocolate in it. And every day you get to open one piece and you get to eat one chocolate. And you you can be like everyone else and be like, I'm gonna eat all the chocolate at once, mahaha. But like, if you're gonna do that, just go get like a Snickers bar, bud. The fun of an advent calendar is like developing that uh, discipline and like it is really exciting for me to wake up in the morning and be like I go downstairs because it's not in my room. It's like in my I my bedroom is separate from my chill room here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go downstairs and I'm like, ooh, ch- chocolate time. Good morning. <laughs> and just get like a little treat. Get something to get you up in the morning. That's what I, I'm, I'm here to recommend. Go nice. snag yourself. Either, either an advent calendar or something like that. That's just like a thing to open up or do every day yeah that sounds delightful indeed um i want to ask these questions at some point i've been thinking about like how we're gonna do the who are you and and what do you want questions Mm -hmm. um but i think that i'll just have to we'll we'll start thinking about those and then we'll um try to answer them by the end of chat salon five but these are the big philosophical questions that i want you to think about let's let's chew on them and then chew on them at the applebee's together <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah. Magellan, thank you for being the rock to my hard place. Thank you for being the hawk to my rard place. And thanks so much, once again, for listening to this episode of Chat Salon 5. Peace. Hey, Magellan and Alan, it's Stefan. I thought I would record my thoughts for the closing summary episode of B5 and. Sorry, I couldn't get it to you sooner. It's been a crazy week for me. So there's a couple of things that come up, and I really you know, enjoyed being a part of the chats season, and I've enjoyed listening to your guys' thoughts and hearing you sort of grow with your thoughts as the series has gone on. One of the things that really resonates for me is that Babylon 5 was about friends, because when I first watched this, when I was a young person, I found friends through Babylon 5, and I found them at school, and it was sort of like, you know, you had to watch PTEN on this borrowed time on Fox, and it was just not something you knew about. People had to find it, and we found each other, and when that was one sort of big part of it, and then we found each other again as it moved to TNT and kept talking about it, and it was just a big part of you know, did people know what Babylon 5 was? And, you know, through this, I feel like, you know, I've gotten to know you guys, listening to you, and I found the Chats podcast because I was looking for a Babylon 5 podcast. And then I found, you know, Scape Chats and other pieces of your show that I really enjoyed. And, you know, it's gotten me part of a community again, and that's through Babylon 5, and that's been pretty cool. As I've sort of gone on, through the seasons, listening to you guys talk about B5, I'm reminded of various things that happened in my life um, that Babylon 5 brought to the surface. So, you know, when we talked about passing through Gethsemane, I talked about how this really made an impact on me and made an impact on my understanding of faith. And I remember now when I was uh, a graduate student and the Bush administration was finally coming to a close. And I remember thinking, huh, I wonder 
would George Bush declare martial law to prevent Barack Obama from taking his rightful place as the President of the United States? I remember thinking this in October of 2008. And now, of course, I wonder a lot about what happens with a dictator and Earth and the United States and how we're going to respond to things as they go forward. And I don't know. But it sort of reminds me of these sort of thoughts that Babylon 5 brought to the top of my head over and over again. And I'm reminded that just as Babylon 5 sort of closes with its five endings, right? Babylon 5 can never have just one ending. We have to have different amounts of them. You guys had mentioned in your discussion of maybe it was objects at rest or sleeping in light that it ends with, well, we tried, we did our best, and we'll keep trying. And I'm reminded of sort of where we all are sitting now. And we tried, we didn't do that great, and we're going to try again. And Babylon 5 gives me hope that we can, and we can come together either through stories through commonalities, through our differences, through a desire to do good, and that we can build a better future, and that we're going to screw up, and we're going to keep screwing up the future, and someone else is going to get to try again, and we can all keep trying again. And boy, oh boy, given the timing and current events, do we all need to try again? And keep trying and realize that it'll never be perfect, no matter what we think we win. We don't always win. No matter what we think we've accomplished, we'll always fall back. And that we're all very, very human. And that sort of is, I guess, to summarize and to sort of come back to my comments uh, when I was a guest on chats, you know, we're all human, and Babylon 5, I feel, celebrates our humanity. Not what humanity can be, right, in the Roddenberry sense. What we should be, what we should grow to be, and how we will be better if just we could do these things. But what we are, right, as we are. You know, Ivanova, as flawed as she is. Sheridan, as flawed as he is. Garibaldi, completely flawed as he is, in the best analogy. And that we're human, and that our humanity is what makes us what we are, warts and all. And Babylon 5 is a story that tells us we're going to take all those warts to the stars, and that we can build a better future if we work at it that it won't be handed to us, it won't come after a, a post-apocalyptic nightmare that will suddenly meet, you know, extraterrestrials and everything will be fine, but that we will make the world a better place because things that are built endure, to quote Delenn, and that this show, you know, and, and I sort of on a rewatch with you guys a bit, will endure. And surprisingly, as one of those people offering up all the Byron hate, I'm surprised at how much of season five endures, especially as an epilogue, and as sort of demonstrating 
that we will backslide and we will keep rebuilding and keep rebuilding. And uh, Babylon 5 means that. And, you know, Straczynski makes a really great case for what the future could hold. And I think we could all do a good job of paying close attention to that. And so, yeah, that's a bit a little bit rambling, but that's what I have to say about B5 and about this season of chats. I look forward to hear what you guys think about Crusade. And uh, <laughs> maybe I'll have some more to say. Uh, so with that, the last thing I wanted to say is, as we're wrapping it up um, and sort of thinking back on, uh, you know, thinking of multiple endings that um, uh, the deconstruction of falling stars always reminded me of sort of these long-scale views of things. And Alan, I was glad to hear that this was one of your favorite episodes. Uh, I had promised you guys to chat some for it on Twitter and never got around to it because life. Um, and so what I would say, what that reminds me of in sort of wrapping up in the long view of Babylon 5 reminds me of the novel A Canticle for Leibowitz, wherein there is this long description of what happens in a monastery, of course, you know, got to bring the monks back once one more time. What happens in a monastery uh, as a function of time, millions of years after, uh, well, various time periods after, uh, what happens in a great burn, just as is seen in uh, Deconstruction of Falling Stars. Uh, so that's my little chat sum. That's my thoughts on Babylon 5. The best to you all. I hope you have rewarding and restful holidays, and the same for all of the chats, listenership, and crew. Uh, and so with that, I'll say goodbye.